The 2022 growing season has been a roller coaster to say the least, but what if I told you that you could add another revenue stream for your farm? Harvest Hosts connects over 200,000 RVers to a network of thousands of farms, wineries, breweries, and small businesses. Hosts simply offer RVers a one-night stay on their farm, and in return, RVers patronize the host business. The program is a cost-free opportunity, and 100% of the money spent on-site goes straight to the host. In 2021, members spent more than $40 million across host locations. If you don't sell produce or products on your farm, no problem. You can get creative with what you can offer travelers, create farm experiences, sell farm-branded swag, and even receive tips. Hosts can accept or deny stay requests, manage the number of RVs, and set blackout dates. No hookups or services are required to host. Visit harvesthosts.com hosts. That's harvesthosts.com hosts for more information and to apply to become a host today. Spotlight. I'm Chrissy Wozniak. My guests today are from a company committed to transitioning farms to climate smart farming practices, generating reliable farm carbon credits and certified climate smart crops. From Saratoga, Wyoming, I'd like to welcome carbon cropping agronomist Breck Monks and from Fort Collins, Colorado, the U.S. growth market manager Ashley Bruner, both from Agoro Carbon Alliance. Welcome Breck and Ashley. How are you guys doing today? Great. How are you? Great. Thank you. Very good. So can you each tell me a bit about your backgrounds and, and how you got into this, uh, the industry? Yeah, Ashley. sure. Happy to kick it off. Um, yeah. I grew up in central Illinois on a small farm, uh, raising both crops and livestock. And um, I'm now based out of Colorado and have had the fortunate experience to work on some ranches as well, both cattle and horse. Um, very passionate about horses. Uh, but my experience career-wise has been devoted around agriculture, remote automation, and renewable energy. And I joined Agoro Carbon Alliance in uh, August of 2021 because I really liked the mission um, to support farmers and ranchers throughout sustainable practice changes, um, and as well as the global network of people doing likewise work um, to support farmers and ranchers while also making a positive change for the planet. That's awesome. And, uh, and Breck? I'm Brock Monks. Um, as you said, it, I live currently in Wyoming. I am a Wyoming native. Um, my background is heavy in soil science and soil microbiology, mainly in grasslands uh, throughout the United States. Um, so perennial systems. I previously um, had worked for the federal government as a soil scientist. And um, prior to that, I was in graduate school earning my PhD and other various degrees. Um, but that being said, um, similar to Ashley, um, I'm almost um, at my year anniversary with Agaro, which is wonderful, the 28th of June. Um, and similar to Ashley, I joined Agaro simply because of the producer contact and the drive to make very good changes for soil health moving forward in agriculture. Wow. Wow. So you've devoted your life to soil. That is really cool. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, so can you tell me about Agoro Carbon Alliance? How was it started and what's what's the story behind it? Yeah, happy to do so. As I mentioned, uh, we were launched uh, by Yara International in June 2021, so just over a year ago, uh, with the, the goal to provide farmers and ranchers around the world with a risk-averse way to monetize sustainable practices that create carbon credits, um, all with the goal to remove carbon from the atmosphere and sequestered in our soils. 
Um, we do this through an uh, alliance of uh, farmers, agronomists, and businesses, both here in the U.S. and worldwide, that all believe that when farmers are rewarded for changing practices that sequester the soil carbon, we all benefit collectively. Um, we're really excited that since that launch a year ago, we've distributed over $9 million directly in forward payments to U.S. farmers and ranchers to make wow. these practice changes. Um, it really provides a unique opportunity for agriculture and specifically to farmers and ranchers to be the leading solution um, when it comes to improving their own livelihoods through new revenue streams, but also through helping to mitigate some of the changes that come along with the climate. Right. And you mentioned Yara International um, backs the Goro Carbon Alliance. So what is their history and mission and, and what part do they play now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Agora was started by Yara International, as I mentioned, and um, Yara is a world's crop nutrition company that's been around for over 115 years. Their overall mission is to responsibly feed the world and protect the planet. Um, as part of their long-term business strategy is to decarbonize agriculture. They're doing so both through practice changes as a business, also throughout the, the crop inputs that they sell. Um, and Agoro Carbon Alliance's role within uh, Yara's larger role is to build this global business that combines their unique market position. They work with over 20 million farmers around the world, um, along with a global alliance where farmers are really at the center of everything they do and everything we do at, at Agoro. Um, I also just want to mention that Agoro offers op operates completely separate from Yara International. We have the backing of them, but we are focused solely on the carbon market. We don't sell any other products or technologies or crop inputs. We simply are here to support these practice changes, uh, both here in the U.S. and worldwide. That makes sense. And we hear a lot these days about carbon credits. It seems that the information isn't always clear. It seems kind of clunky and confusing. So can you explain exactly uh, carbon cropping practice and, and, and how you can uh, benefit from this as a farmer? Absolutely. So the carbon market isn't necessarily a new market, but Agoro has a really interesting take on it, um, which is pretty exciting because we want to influence change to promote soil carbon sequestration events into the future so that there are carbon credits. Um, the, the carbon market works by offering incentives and rewards for implementing these conservation practices in row crops or farm ground. Um, we offer um, changes in tillage, so essentially moving from conventional tillage to some sort of reduced tillage model. Um, we also promote the practice of cover cropping. And so you can alter what you're currently doing or you can put in cover crops if you have never done that before. And then we also have nitrogen use efficiency management. So getting away essentially from utilizing loads and loads of nitrogen inputs um, because our soil is getting better over time because of the practices we're doing to uh, create organic matter. Um, also, we are in the grassland or ranching market, which is pretty exciting. Um, we offer three practices there as well, and that is improvement upon uh, rotational grazing. So if you're not already rotationally grazing, um, we can help you move in a rotational pattern or we can tweak your current rotational pattern. Um, we also offer the opportunity to get enrolled for the carbon market concerning diversifying your forage base. So interceding something else that could be a broadleaf, that could be another cereal. Um, 
or another forage that would be optimum for your herd. Um, that being said, our third practice is actually the addition of nitrogen to these grassland acres. Um, and that's simply because most of those grassland and pasture acres, the soil underneath them is very low in nitrogen to begin with. And nitrogen is one of the simple building blocks in order to have healthy, large amounts of forage above ground. So a little bit of input can go a long way. Yeah, for sure. And Ashley, do you want to add anything to that? Sorry, it was on mute. Um, no, I think that what Breck perfectly captured what we try to do and we support through really specific practice changes that are measurable and scalable, which is really important to the success for both um, us as a company, but also to farmers and ranchers, because the ultimate goal behind what they're doing is both the, the impact to their own operations, but also to create high quality carbon credits that then are sold to businesses who are looking to reduce their uh, carbon footprint. And that creates um, a market that is sustainable and long-term and that benefits both agro carbon as well as its farmers. Um, our success is really tied together by creating these practices that are long-term and that provide benefits both ways so that we're approving soil carbon sequestration. Yeah, that makes sense. And and in this time of unpredictable markets, high inputs, what can you do to help the producer's bottom line protect their profit margin? What kind of a financial impact can they typically expect? So this is exciting because this gives another revenue stream, as Ashley had mentioned um, previously in this talk, to producers. And so by getting enrolled in the carbon market and implementing one or various of these practice changes that we have, um, you get, as soon as you sign up, and actually even before you sign up with Agaro, you get a whole backing of a team of agronomists wow. that we have boots on the ground and we're out in the field. And our main job is to be there to help support the farmers in these practice changes. Um, we offer competitive annual payments, which is pretty exciting. And if that's not something that folks are interested in. We do have multiple um, revenue streams, or excuse me, not revenue streams, multiple payment options, which is pretty exciting. Um, and so you can do essentially like a pay for performance option, or you can do the yearly options if that's what you would like to do. Um, we also, the, our whole program is flexible. So um, it's not super, super stringent in the concept that we come in and tell you specifically what you're going to do, which is really, really good to the producer because we do have issues with climate, as we very well know, and drought and germination and things like that. So um, we have flexibility in our program concerning that. Um, we also have the backing of Yara, like we already mentioned, which is really important. Um, we're not out looking for venture capital on a regular basis basis so we can um, support our producers that have signed up and support time to making sure these are verifiable carbon credits. Um, we also offer um, market competitive pricing, which is pretty exciting, especially in the long-term contract, because even if you signed up today, um, the price that you would be getting, if the um, credit price goes up, you benefit from that in the future. Right. And so what yeah. is the what is the process then that a, a grower would expect to go through if they decide to partner? Well, so um, out West in particular um, with the grassland, a lot of it's been word of mouth, um, mm -hmm. which is great. So I get a lot of phone calls just from neighboring producers um, 
And essentially the process looks like this. You would either go to our website and put in some an info query essentially, and you would get teamed up with an agronomist in your region, or you would end up with one of our numbers because of your neighbor, right? And you were already interested in the carbon market. Um, we would give you a phone call back and we would have a conversation about, you know, your production system, what your current situation is, what your goals are, um, what you're looking at. Um, we do a little just general 101 carbon um, education because in theory, I mean, not in theory, but it is a myth to a lot of people and we're here to help educate. And that's one of our big stepping stones to this whole entire market. After that, we do an on-site visit. Um, so we actually get to see um, your ranch or your farm ground. We will do um, preliminary uh, modeling associated with what your potential ground could sequester and um, what practices you might be interested in and where those would take you in 10 years for the carbon sequestration um, at that juncture. Um, then we would sign a contract and essentially we would come out and do baseline sampling. A company would come out and do that. That would all be scheduled with the producer. And then in five years, we would do subsequent um, sampling as well as at the end of the 10-year contract, which is pretty exciting. Um, throughout that whole entire process, though, um, we have to have projects verified. So there's a lot of behind the scenes work going on. Um, we have to, one, figure out a plan for the carbon generation of these or the credit generation of these um, credits. And we have done that part. And then we go to a verification firm that essentially puts their stamp of approval on it. And that's where these projects are verified. Um, they are regional projects. And so essentially that would be the same concept of saying like it's a certified letter from the mailbox. Um, it has a stamp of approval saying that this is in fact a legit carbon credit because we have utilized um, third party um, sampling firms. We've utilized third party analysis firms. So um, we don't have the ability at all to ever, um, the data is real, I guess is the point. Like it has a, a baseline and then this change throughout time we can look at and it's done by somebody else and then certified by a verification company. And then essentially after those credits are verified, we've got the opportunity to then release those and um, individuals looking to offset their carbon footprint can purchase them at that juncture. I see. And so what are the some of the on-farm measurements? What are the, the benchmarks? What, what will you be looking for in the testing? So initially, um, we do ask for historical data. Um, that's mm -hmm. partly due to the modeling, but that also helps us to determine what we what can be stored in the future based on these practice changes. Um, when we come and take soil samples, we're taking soil samples for bulk density, and we're also taking soil samples for soil organic carbon. Um, soil organic carbon makes sense because that's the metric that we're looking at as stored carbon um, from these practice changes. However, we can't do that on um, a large scale without bulk density samples. And the other benefit is, is over the time period, bulk density is drastically going to change with these management practices in a positive sense. And so throughout any of the six current practices that we offer concerning grasslands or row crop acres, they're all going to build um, soil health. We're going to store organic matter. Um, we're going to 
increase water holding capacity. There's all these things that are major benefits. But just with these two metrics, we can look at a lot of different aspects of what's beneficial for the whole entire production ecosystem, if you will. And it's a great wealth of information and also obviously helps us track the carbon market or the carbon um, storage. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. And, and who's the ideal producer? So is it, is it, is there like a size of farm that you're looking for small or large, or is it every farm? Well, so it's pretty simple, actually. Um, In order to get in the gate, you essentially only have to enroll 500 acres, um, which is pretty exciting. Um, You can enroll more than that. That's totally up to the producer. Um, But there isn't necessarily a cookie cutter ideal producer in this scenario. Um, Producers, whether you're a farmer or a rancher, you're already the best conservationist of your land because your land and your soil already currently makes you money. Um, And so if you're in ag in either one of those, then you're already on the list of potential um, enrollees. However, we want people who are committed to soil health. We want people who are committed to making sure that the practices that they are going to put out on their land, rotational grazing or improvement of uh, tillage or cover crops for that matter, that they're actually willing to do those practices. Because if we we can't have a good partnership unless they're willing and they're driven to make sure that they're storing carbon. Um, so we're looking for individuals who are interested in the longevity of their productive acres. Yeah, and I'd just like to add that, um, you know, no-till is really a, a commonly accepted practice across the United States. And so sometimes farmers will self-disqualify based on seeing those words, reduce tillage, um, and by that, we mean going either to strip tillage or no-till um, for your farming methods. But a relatively small practice change, like adding a cover crop, um, a single cover crop, a diverse mix of cover crops can qualify you for a carbon program. And that is one of those things that can also fix nitrogen, depending on the species that you choose, that can make you a, a viable candidate to join a carbon program and add that new revenue stream while also building soil health. Um, I think one really important thing for farmers and ranchers is just ask the questions and find out. Uh, do not self-disqualify. That's uh, something that comes up a lot where people assume they're not qualified to join it, um, but they actually can under specific practices. Oh, great points. And and I agree with you. Um, also, one of your, your former points, Breck, that you know there is no better steward of the land than a farmer. And uh, you know I always like to, to especially educate the public that, you know, these aren't people destroying the earth, they're people that care and love the earth. And um, so how do you see producers caring for the ground that they work on? Are you seeing any new trends lately, like um, things that have been happening uh, more recently that are new? Well, out here in the West and I mean, technically the whole entire United States, um, we're in a drought cycle um, and people are really changing the way that they are utilizing their standing forage um, and they're starting to stockpile more of it on the ground opposed to in the form of baled hay or baled forage, um, which is pretty exciting. Folks are also um, really paying attention to how they can manage water. And there's a lot of individuals that are changing their ability for water storage for later in the season, um, which is exciting. Um, I think 
people are realizing that if we, it, it's wonderful to continually rely on inputs, but inputs are a tool. And when we manage our soil in a, like a global concept, instead of just saying, I'm going to have monoculture all the time and I'm going to till from my weeds and I'm going to add many chemicals. If I introduce livestock in that system to graze and I'm taking partial care of my weeds and I'm doing some of these other things and I see a lot of people starting to look over the fence and start wanting to diversify in the sense of putting livestock back into their production systems or putting annuals back into a historically perennial system, just because that change in biodiversity does so much for the above ground ecosystem as it does for the below ground ecosystem. And the other thing that I find really, really interesting is individuals who are looking toward management of not only their herds, their domesticated herds, but they also are diversifying through um, the utilization of um, having hunting on their property. And so they're starting to manage also for wildlife populations, which I think is interesting. And then people have started going on ecotourism bird um, tours. And that's something that is becoming really popular in ranching as well. Um, and row crop to a certain extent, particularly where there's water available, people are putting in water features just to have these bird watching areas. Yeah, that's right. And, and, you know, these hard times do create the innovation as well. And, Absolutely. and we have really relied on inputs and now people do have to think outside the box a little bit. And, and it's always great when we can turn it to something positive, right? Yeah. And I think it's important to remember always too, that we absolutely look at sustainability as a you know as as, as a revenue stream to continue the farm um, in the short term, um, and changing these practices helps mitigate risk in the long term for farmers as well. Whether it's drought, whether it's too much water, too little water, these practices improve the soil sponge, which helps you to take advantage of it um, in both circumstances. Um, but also to add this new revenue stream to farmers and ranchers because. Sustainability also means being able to pass it on to the next generation. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot of us at Agoro Carbon grew up on farms and ranches ourselves. And so we really understand what that means um, deep in our hearts and how important that is. And we genuinely care about farmers and ranchers being able to be sustainable both in their operations and for the long term. Yeah, yeah, great points. And so where can people find you to get started? So the best place to start is at agorocarbonalliance.com. Um, I would also just want to mention that one of the biggest questions is just people want to understand the carbon market. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot of questions. It's a new market. They don't know who to trust and where to find information. Um, and for that singular reason, we started what we call the Carbon Farming Knowledge Hub, which can be found mm -hmm. on our homepage of the website. Uh, that's a mix of agronomists like Breck and experts in the carbon market um, explaining the things farmers need to be aware of, things ranchers want to be aware of about asking the right questions regarding contracts. You know, 10 years is a long time to make changes for your operations. So you need to make sure that you feel comfortable with every aspect of both the practice changes and the contract. And so that's a great place to start. Um, and then there's also agronomists and carbon experts across the United States uh, that are available for local consultation and help. And I think that's really key uh, to being a long-term partner is having that on the ground support as well. That's fantastic. 
And then I have one more question for each of you. Um, you can take turns answering, but why, why do you serve the agriculture industry? Um, you know, what are you most passionate about, about this? Ashley, do you want to go first? You're happy to. to. Happy to. Um, What makes me so excited about this is um, what I just mentioned earlier. I genuinely believe that this is the right thing to do at the right time, uh, both just to make agriculture a leader in climate change mitigation while improving their own livelihoods. Uh, Farmers and ranchers are at the most um, to, to lose when it comes to climate change because they're so weather dependent for all of their practices. We also really believe that they genuinely care about being good stewards of the land and good stewards of their livestock. And I'm really excited to be part of a company that is doing the right thing for the right reasons and really with a lot of intelligent, good people uh, leading the way that will make actionable change and uh, allow also for businesses to become a part of this um, when it comes to mitigating climate change. Yeah, and Breck? I absolutely, I've spent the last 10 plus years of my life working on soil health and looking at climate change. And it is so refreshing that Agaro is so behind the producers of the ranching and the row crop worlds and that I can help take the science and help facilitate the lifelong change for the soil and the lifelong change for those producers. And having grown up in an agricultural setting and watching some of my very best friends have to move off the family ranch and then later in life starting over when they're capable of doing it, it would be so exciting that essentially in 10 years, somebody comes back to the grass at a garden and says, you know what? When we signed up with you, we were looking at potentially selling the family heritage and this helped us um, to get out of that hole. And so I think about, you know, children growing up in the wide open spaces. And I just absolutely love that. And I love the fact that Agaro, through practice change and promoting soil health, we will be able to ensure that for the future. Yeah, for sure. I love to hear of people just truly serving producers. I, I just love it. And thank you guys so much for joining me. That It was a really great conversation. Is there anything else you want to add? Uh, just if anyone has more questions, please reach out to us. Um, I think uh, transparent, o- open-ended information is key to informing the market and um, only providing a uh, recommendation to proceed if it's going to benefit someone is really a keystone of our business. Uh, transparency and honesty um, are so important when you have a new market in order to build trust and to make it uh, successful. Very good. And uh, yeah, so thanks again for joining me today. And thanks for to all who are watching or listening. If you want to learn more, the links are provided in the show notes. And don't forget to subscribe to our North American Egg Spotlight YouTube, Rumble, or Egg Peace channels. And the podcast is available on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And have a great day. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to today's Egg Spotlight episode, where we put the spotlight on people and companies doing great things for the agricultural industry. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or on your favorite podcasting platform and give us a five-star review. You can also follow us on YouTube and Rumble to see the video version of Egg Spotlight. 
Also, head on over to NorthAmericanAg.com to subscribe to our Industry Connect update newsletter. If you're interested in advertising opportunities, email us at connect at NorthAmericanAg.com. Thanks for listening. Our newest podcast by North American Ag is called What Color Is Your Tractor? The stories behind the ag brands you love and the ag brands you love to hate. Hosted by me, Chrissy Wozniak. We take a deep dive into the companies that have built modern agriculture. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. Go to whatcolorisyourtractor.com. Available on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Fastline Auctions, the ultimate destination for online farm equipment auctions. Looking to list equipment? Fastline Auctions knows farmers, and farmers have trusted Fastline for their equipment needs for over 45 years. With unmatched digital reach and direct-to-farmer catalogs, they can find the right buyer for your equipment. Not to mention, they have the industry's lowest commission rates. And if you're looking for equipment to buy, you can bid with confidence. No buyer premiums, no reserves, just integrity. Fastline Auctions, your trusted platform for hassle-free, cost-effective farm equipment auctions. Visit Fastline.com for more information. You can join us for a tour of the Fastline Auctions platform July 13th at 6.30 p.m. To register for this webinar, go to NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar. That's NorthAmericanAg.com slash Fastline hyphen webinar to register now.